Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. I want to look at the fourth chapter of Romans. Notice what it says here in the, uh, well, let's go to the, start with, let's go to the 17th verse. It says, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations, talking to Abraham. God's talking to Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. How many of you know that's the flow of faith? Actually, that's God's flow. He calls things that be not as though they are. And to get in his flow with, with him and flow with him and what he's doing, you have to learn to do that, call things that be not as though they are. Not call things that be as though they're not. That's denial. But call things that be not as though they are. There be not finances in the bank. Well, then you call your bank accounts full. There be not health in your body. You call your body healed because, because that's what the Bible says about you. That's the flow of God. And to get it with God and flow with God, you've got to flow in that calling things that be not as though they are. One translation says calling into existence things that do not yet exist. Another one says God speaks of things that are yet undone as if they're already done. <laughs> I like that one. Praise God. That's the flow of faith. And that's the flow that people of faith flow in. Who against hope, Abraham against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Praise God. Now, there's a whole lot there, and we don't have time to get into all of it, but verse 19 tells us he was not weak in faith. Uh, one translation says sickly in faith. Uh, here's why he wasn't. Because he considered not his own body now dead, and he was about 100 years old, now yet the dead in Sarah's womb. So when he got to be the age of about 100, it says. See, we have the idea that Abraham, just from the, from the beginning of what God said, that Abraham just believed it, called it so, and, and acted as if it were so, you know, in faith from the beginning. But he didn't from the beginning. Whenever God spoke to him about Isaac, he laughed. And it wasn't a laugh of faith. And Sarah laughed. They laughed because they said after they laughed, can it be, Sarah said, can it be my, my husband all dried up and withered? You know, that's my language, but... <laughs> Amen. And me past the age of bearing children, she laughed. Us having a baby. I'm 90 years old, and, you know. But uh, Abraham at first didn't believe it. But then here it says, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was about 100 years old. So when he got to be 100 years old, something happened. Something changed where he decided to believe what God said and receive it and not deny it, not laugh at it and say it'll never happen. Something happened. All right, let's go see what happened because that's the part I want to focus in on. And it made him change from, go back to Genesis 17. Whenever this happened, notice it said at about 100 years old. When this happened, notice it made him strong in faith. It made him a person that believed what God said even when he couldn't see it. Even whenever all the natural reason for it coming to pass was gone. Sarah hadn't been able to have a baby when she was young. And now she's past the age of childbearing, which is a double whammy. Couldn't whenever she was young anyway during her childbearing years. But then when she was old, she, she uh, you know, that, that all passed by, you know. Even if she had been able to, she's now past that age. Of barren children. And besides that, Abraham's all old. <laughs> but God comes on the scene and says, uh, you're going to have a baby. Well, remember, Abraham thought, well, I don't know how that's going to happen. So he had a bright idea. Or Sarah actually had a bright idea. And, of course, Abraham's, oh, yeah, that sounds like good to me. But that idea was, you know, with my, Sarah's handmaiden. Sarah said, you and my handmaiden get together and have a baby. That's the only way we know it can happen. Well, that was an Ishmael. How many of you know that's born of the flesh? Galatians says that that child was born of the flesh. But the seed promised to Abraham was born of the Spirit. Which is Isaac, which, came, which, which Jesus came through Isaac's lineage. Amen. Which was a supernatural birth. Isaac's birth was supernatural. Jesus' birth was supernatural. 
Amen. Amen. So, uh, and then I, we should live supernaturally. That's what God's trying to get us into is a supernatural flow in everything that we do. Amen. Not just living like the world lives by the natural and what it can produce. But if God says something's ours, even if the natural says it can't be, we've got to decide, are we going to believe what it says in the natural? Are we going to believe God? Well, Abraham had some help, and I want to uh, look at what helped him make, make the switch and get past considering his own body. Because it said when he was about 100 years old, he considered not his own body, now dead. Something happened at about 100 years old. Now let's go back to the 17th chapter of verse number, uh, excuse me, 17th chapter. Chapter of Genesis, verse number 1. When Abram was 90 years old and 9. Well, that's about 100 years old. Isn't that what it said in Romans? When Abraham was about 100 years old. About means pretty close. Well, you can't get any closer to 199. So here's the point at which something happened for Abraham that helped him to make a switch. And Abram was, uh, and, uh, was 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful. Down in verse number six, uh, and he talked about the covenant. Amen. Well, what happened was God came and he revealed himself in a different way as Abraham had known him up until that time. You read through the book of Genesis, and up until this point, God is revealed as Elohim. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And throughout those first few verses of Genesis, that's the word, the word for God is the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim is the one who makes nature, the one who causes it to be and preserves nature and establishes all the natural laws. You know, there's a lot of physics and, and, and biology and laws and things that are of the natural world that cause it to work. Gravity and all these things. God created all these natural laws. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The God who created the natural world and the, and the spirit world also. But the natural world is what he's referring to in the beginning when he's made creation, made the earth. And uh, all those natural laws that were put in place dictated certain things will work and certain things won't work. Amen. And uh, then the curse came on the natural world. Adam sinned and the curse came. A lot of things weren't working even the way they were supposed to work. They just work halfway, you know. <laughs> like the physical body. It's decaying. It'll eventually die because of sin. Now, we have the power of God, according to Romans, the 8th chapter, to uphold the body until we're finished running our race and keep it healthy and strong and free of disease. But yet, right on the other hand, it's going to eventually die. That wasn't the way it was planned to be from the beginning. But sin got in on nature. Yeah. On nature and corrupted nature. And because of that flow in the earth, certain things are going to be certain ways unless God's power intervenes and changes it. That's why certain things are. Why whenever you, you know, like we're growing crops and about, it's about harvest time. I don't mean we, but I mean Iowans. We're all, we got corn out here. We got soybeans. And you notice it's turning brown because that life cycle. See, plants were never supposed to die. Animals, human beings were never supposed to die. That got in on nature because of the fall of man. And there's certain things that that dictates won't happen in the natural without the intervention of God's power. Well, the natural, God set up, Elohim set up natural laws. And uh, before the curse came on it, there was a lot, that, a lot different than it is now. But now the curse came on nature. And all these natural laws as well as the curse dictates that certain things be certain ways. Amen. So, then God revealed himself later in the book of Genesis as Jehovah. And Jehovah is the God. You read through the, through, through the, New Test I mean, the Old Testament where you see Jehovah. A lot of times it's connected with man's redemption. God began to call himself Jehovah. Remember, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Shalom and all those names. He's revealing himself further. As the Bible progresses, God reveals himself more and more. Then the New Testament, God has revealed more than in the Old Testament. We have more revelation in the New Testament. And actually in the church age, we have more revelation today than Peter, Paul, James, and John had. 
Some people don't believe that, but you read the Bible and you can see the Bible makes it plain. We're going from glory to glory. From faith to faith. We're increasing more and more. Amen. God's not a decreased God. He's always increasing the church, increasing the work of God, increasing the revelation, increasing His power, and increasing the flow of the Spirit. Amen. But so we've got God here revealing Himself, first of all, as Elohim. Then we have Him revealing Himself as Jehovah. And, uh, and then He here in the 17th verse, uh, excuse me, the 17th chapter, reveals Himself as, the, in the King James it says, the Almighty God. Now, that's the English, but the Hebrew actually says El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El Shaddai, he said, is who I am. God said to Abraham, I'm El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Perfect doesn't mean don't make any mistakes because we've all made mistakes. But he said, be wholehearted. Be, 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 be sincere in heart, you know. That's what perfect means. You can be perfect in heart and make mistakes in your head. Anybody ever done that? I put up both hands and feet on that one. But so God is the, uh, Elohim is the strong one. Literally, it means the strong one. And he created nature. He created the laws of nature and all of that. But then we have Jehovah. Uh, after creation in Genesis 2, 4, he's revealed as Jehovah. It means the self-existing eternal one who reveals himself and especially in regards to redemption. He reveals himself in advance. Amen. He reveals Himself in the areas of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our righteousness. And all these Jehovahs are, are all redemptive names. And then God reveals Himself as El Shaddai. Amen. Now, see, Abraham, he's thinking, well, if I'm going to have a son, I'm going to have to have it with, uh, with, with uh, uh, Hagar's her name. And it's going to have to be a natural birth. And Hagar was in the natural age, you know, of bearing children. So it was just a natural thing. But God said, no, I want, it's going to be through you and Sarah. Basically, he's saying, Abraham, you're just thinking natural about everything because that's all you know about me. But I'm to, I want to reveal myself further to you. And here's what I want you to see. That I am God, Jehovah, yes, but God El Shaddai. El Shaddai, the one who's going to do this supernaturally. The one who's going to enable Sarah to conceive and bear and to receive strength and bear seed because it's going to be a supernatural birth. Amen. Now up until the time that Abraham, uh, that Abraham uh, knew God, before he knew God as El Shaddai, he was just thinking naturally. You know, it's going to have to be with Hagar because she's at the age of childbearing. can't happen any other way. And so the reason that Abraham laughed before he, became, before he knew God as El Shaddai is because he didn't know that God supernaturally would do things. Against nature. Are you all there? And so Abraham in the 17th chapter got a revelation of El Shaddai, which is the all-sufficient one. All sufficient. Not just if it's possible in the natural, but he can make it possible if the natural is not able to make it happen because he's not just sufficient in the natural laws. He can intervene with natural laws. He can supersede natural laws. He can make natural laws reverse and go against themselves. Amen. Hallelujah. He can constrain natural laws. He can speed up natural laws. He can override natural laws in order to fulfill one of His promises to one of His covenant men. If God said it, He'll move heaven and earth to cause it to happen. When Abraham found out that God could go against natural laws, he said, okay, I'm going to believe that I'm the father of many nations through Sarah. It kicked him over the hump of how can this happen? There's no way. Child, me and Sarah, ha, ha, ha. It got him past that because he had just been looking and considering his own body. Are you still glad you came to church this morning? When he was just thinking naturally, he kept looking at his own body and saying there's no way and considering his own body. And then he considered Sarah's body and said, yeah, right. Me a papa, her a mama, no way. 
But see, he didn't know God could break the laws that he created and supersede them to cause something that he promised to come to pass. See, God wants us to live supernaturally. Beyond just the natural abilities that we have or the natural wisdom we have or education that we have or strength that we have or money-making ability that we have. So we're not locked into the natural. Like Dr. Dufresne says all the time, people say, well, I have a fixed income. Well, he said, well, who fixed it? See, we're looking at the natural and that's what fixes things. I can't even share everything with people that happened for me financially because people wouldn't be able to handle it. I'd love to be able to share what happens. The things that happen for me. It's just absolutely... I'd love to be able to share things, but some people would take it all wrong and get all offended. And... But it's supernatural. Supernatural. I live way beyond, Pastor David, I live way beyond our, our check, paycheck here at the church. That's almost become seed, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> not, not completely, but you know, it's just more and more, that's just becoming seed. And God wants you to live way beyond, well, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go. And, and I can expect this much to come in. Well, in the natural, that's not the, that's, that's not the, uh, the limit of your ability. That is just the beginning of your faith. From there on, whatever you can believe for, God can do it way beyond that. Supernaturally. It's time in the area of finances that we tap into a supernatural supply that, that God's power can, can cause to happen for us that, that makes us, that takes us way beyond everybody else down there at the job. Well, well you're working the same job we are. I know a man, I, I don't know, didn't know him personally very well, but um, he, he got in trouble with some of the people at his job because um, they thought, because he's... His wife comes to pick him up or something if they're going out somewhere else. Before he goes home, his wife would come, and she's driving a new car. She's looking really nice, and, and in the part of town they're living in, you know, everybody's getting suspicious of him. And, I, and this, this happened to a, this man one time. He, got, he came out of his place of employment, and the guys made a circle around him, the rest of the guys at his workplace. And they said, all right, what's going on? Tell us what you're doing. They thought he was dealing drugs or something like that because of how blessed he was. They said, we know what you're making here. You're making the same thing we're making here. And they made a circle around him. And they were about ready to take him out because of how blessed he was. And when he finally realized what they were doing, he said, oh, you're wondering where you think I'm dealing drugs or something or wondering where I'm getting all this money. He said, I'll tell you what I'm doing. He said, I'm tithing. <laughs> And they said, you're what? He said, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. I have the, 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 the heavenly help that, 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 that God wants me to have to, in order to prosper and go way beyond what I'm making here. And he preached to them for a little while, and eventually they didn't want to hear that. So, you know. Actually happened. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what God wants to do for you. Where everybody's wondering, how on earth? Where they get suspicious of you. I guess if people really thought about it, they could get suspicious of us and they think we have our hand in the offering or something. But we don't take anything out of any offering or any tape sales or anything. We have a salary. It's been fixed for about five years, I think. It hasn't gone up at all for five years. I think it's about, I, I could be wrong, five years or four years, something like that. Some, something like that. Yeah. But, but my income keeps going up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I know you're a preacher. People walk up and give you money. I could tell you things that are just outside of the church, outside of the, And it's like, oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. People on this last trip, I didn't even know. I wasn't even preaching. I'm just sitting there saying amen to Dr. Dufresne. Walk up and stuff money in my hand. Like, who are you? I don't know you. I'm just a visitor here. You know what I'm talking about? But I have, a, I have something I need to confess. I'm guilty of attracting money. 
Because I believe Deuteronomy 8.18, it's he that gives thee power to attract wealth. I have an, an investment right now. I'm saying, Lord, okay, I, I put, you told me to put this money in some other investments. This one, Lord, right now, bam, right now. The day I would put it in, my money would double. And within a year, it'll be at least, between a year and two years, it's kind of undetermined yet, but uh, it'll be at least four or five times what I would put in. Oh, what is it, Pastor? Well, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) See, then you'd be following me. And I don't want you coming to me. Well, it didn't work out for me, so, you know, that'd be, that, that wouldn't work. I've just learned not to go into business relationships with church people. Just too many opportunities for the devil to get in there, you know. But I'm not talking about, especially the double part. I'm not talking about, I, I think it would double. It, right now, it would, it, actually, it already has doubled, and I have an opportunity to get into it on the ground floor. I, I can't get into all of the, all the, all the, all the, all the. <laughs> but see, it just comes to me like that. I keep hearing businesses, businesses. I'm like, Lord. I got the church, I got the daycare, I got the, the traveling ministry, I got all these other things, and you're adding something else to me? Well, see, a lot of, a t- a lot of times it comes with overalls on. You remember me saying that? Praise God. And I'm guilty. I just attract it everywhere I go. Hallelujah. Where it used to be 1,000 for me, now it's 10,000. Where it used to be 1,000 coming in, now it's 10,000. Hello. See, some of you are like, huh? Because I found out to do, God wants to do it supernaturally. Beyond my natural abilities. Amen? See, you need to be so blessed that people get mad because you're so blessed. It worked for Isaac, remember? He kept digging wells and, and he got more water and more sheep and all of that. Finally, they, they came to him and they said, get out of here. You're so wealthy. We don't even want to look at all your cows anymore. Remember that? They got mad. Remember Jacob? Kept, uh, God kept increasing his cattle. And finally Laban got mad and said, all the cattle I used to have, now you have, Jacob. Get out of here. He got mad at him. Tell him to leave. Get out. Abraham, Abraham was the same way. Praise God. When was the last time somebody got mad because they were trying to figure out, you know, how you're doing it? Amen. Some people you might not be able to share it with them. Because they can't handle it. See, they would get all... See, the reason that they, they suspect you doing something illegal or something like that or, or unethical is because that's the only way in their thinking that they can get it to happen. That's not the only way. See, they, they still know the natural uh, uh, Elohim. They don't know El Shaddai yet. El Shaddai will take you way beyond you can go in your natural abilities. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your education or lack thereof. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter any of those things. What matters is, are you a person that believes El Shaddai is El Shaddai? That's what really matters. He can override natural laws. Amen. So we get the idea from reading Romans 4 that Abraham just always considered not his own body and was strong in faith and and gave glory to God, but he didn't start out that way. It was only when he got a revelation of El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. You see, Israel was blocked in. God delivered them from slavery, and they came down to the Red Sea, and they had mountains on the right and mountains on the left, the Red Sea uh, ahead of them, and the Egyptians with mad, mad Egyptians behind them. Because their babies were dead. Remember the plagues that came? Well, why was it that God let them down there? It looked like that naturally, it looked like it was over for them. I mean, how are you going to climb those mountains? How are you going to go back through the Egyptians? And how are you going to go through the water? There just didn't look like there's any way. But you see, God led them there. Go back to the book of uh, Psalm, the 77th chapter. You need to believe God will do this for you. Don't get all pouting and upset about it when God leads you into an impossible situation. He just wants to put his El Shaddai hat on. There are times God will lead you into needs. He'll lead you into it. God, why did you lead me into this? Well, it's not because he wants to destroy you. Amen. He's not trying to take something away from you. 
He's just trying to get you to, to release your faith. Some people won't release their faith until they get in an impossible situation. And so sometimes God will lead you into an impossible situation because he's had this supply sitting here for you, waiting for you, but you've never tapped into it. So he'll lead you into an impossible situation to get you shook up, to get you to turn your faith toward him, get you weaned off the natural. That's what he did with Israel here. He led them right up into an impossible situation. Now, why did he lead them there? Because he's El Shaddai. He's also Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees ahead and provides. Hallelujah. When God made this planet, he put everything Adam needed here before he even got here. He put all the gold in the ground, the oil, and all these things. Uh, and, uh, and all these things are here for man. He didn't put them here for monkeys or... You know, that he's, he put them here for man. And so God made the supply, and then he put Adam in the middle of that. That's the way you do. You have a baby, you know, whenever you know the baby's coming, and you start putting a crib. You know, you clean out one of the bedrooms, put a crib in there, get all the baby clothes and diapers, and you get it all set up, you're ready to go. Isn't that right? You make the supply before the baby even comes. God's a good father. He makes the supply before you even get to the need. You get in the middle of the need and you wonder, well, why is God not here? Well, the reason is because he's already been there and he made the supply. He made it ready for you and he went into tomorrow. Well, why is God not here? Because he's in tomorrow. But what, he, what you need for today has already been supplied. Now notice here in Isaiah, I mean in Psalm 77, I believe it is. Notice what it said, verse number 19. The way, thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, what on earth is he talking about? He's actually uh, talking about when Israel came up to the Red Sea. When God led them out of Egypt's bondage, led them down to the place by the Red Sea that they were. They were led there. By that cloud. Remember there was a cloud led them by day uh, and a fire by night. So God's, he led them right into that situation. He led them into an impossible situation. Led them there. Well, how did I get myself in this mess? There are times we've gotten ourselves into an impossible situation. But there are also times God will put us in an impossible situation if we're being led by his spirit. It happened here. Um, uh, not this carpet, but the carpet before this. Uh, we, we were led to get into this building and we had, we had enough to, to do everything that we did except I think maybe the platform wasn't quite done and the carpet wasn't done. We didn't have carpet. Remember the first few services? We had glue on the floors. We always said, you know, if the visitors come, they'll stick. <laughs> well, we, we, we were led into this building, but by the, thing, the time the thing was all over, we had enough money to do everything except the carpet. And I think if I remember right, this platform wasn't done. And so, anyway, we just all believe in God for the money for the carpet. And you remember, there was a, a young lady coming here at the time who uh, came up and gave, I think it was $16,000 she gave or something like that. And, and we had the money for all this carpet. She gave, she gave it in two increments. Yeah, paid the rest of it. Hallelujah. Well, see, the need, God led us into a need. But we didn't have, this, we didn't have any... It looked like a, a lack situation, yeah. but it wasn't a lack. It was just a need. Yeah. See, lack's whenever you don't have a supply. Right. A need is something that is for the supply. My God shall supply all your need. Your need. So if you have a need, sometimes he'll lead you into a need in order to tap into the supply. Because many times people won't tap in until they have an impossible situation. Then they go, oh, God. He's saying, I've had this here waiting for you from before this even started. I'm glad you just now tapped into it. But God led us into this building without having the money to buy carp or put carpet on the floor. Had, didn't have it in the bank, but that didn't mean we didn't have it. We just didn't have it in the bank. Well, that lady uh, gave that money. And, but the interesting thing was, and I've told this story before, was that five, about five years approximately before that, that situation where she gave that money, um, we had been in a church within a few uh, 30 minutes or 40 minutes from here preaching. Five years prior to that. And, I'm, and the Spirit of God started moving. And I'm over in the Spirit. And all of a sudden the Lord pointed out two people to me. A lady and her daughter. 
and, and said, call them up here. I have something for them. So I called them up and the word of the Lord came and I began to speak to them. I said, now the Lord shows me that there's money owed to you that has not been given to you. It's being withheld. And they said, yeah. I said, uh, well, the Lord shows me and tells me to tell you that in the name of Jesus, that money's coming in. Power of God hit them. They went out and laughed and, you know, just a wonderful situation. I mean, uh, later they told me it was because of an accident they had had. I don't remember how long before that. But, and, and there was a big settlement due to them because it wasn't their fault. Right. Big settlement due. But, you know, it was all held up in court and all that stuff. Well, that was five years prior to uh, the need here, the carpet need. And that lady shows up. And she, uh, she said, you know, I have a whole lot of money because that settlement came through just like you spoke. She said, it's nothing for me. Here's the money. Praise the Lord. Well, when you got hundreds and hundreds of thousands, you know. I think, what was she, 21 years old or something like that. Younger than that. Praise the Lord. You see, you look, you look at the natural and you think there's no way. Well, God's got a way. In fact, He's way ahead of you. Hallelujah. That's Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees ahead and provides. Now, I couldn't have, I couldn't have you know, thought that far ahead. And know, I didn't even want a pastor at that time. How was I going to know I needed carpet five years from now? And so I'll minister to this, this person and they'll get the money. And then I, I, I ain't that smart. But see, God was way ahead of me. You need to believe he's way ahead of you. And if you come up to a need, okay, the supply is here somewhere. Even if I can't see it, there's a supply for this need. Now, the, the King James doesn't make it very plain here what happened at the sea, the Red Sea, but listen to the Amplified Version. Your way in delivering your people was through the sea and your path through the great waters, yet your footsteps were not traceable but were obliterated. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So that what happened was they came up to the Red Sea and... They couldn't see any way out. Mad Egyptians behind them, big mountain ranges on both sides, and a Red Sea in front of them. But you can't swim. It's too far across and it's too deep. And you got babies and you got cows and you got all this stuff with you. You know what I'm talking about? So uh, the, his way of delivering his people was through, through the sea. And notice your paths through the great waters, yet your footsteps were not traceable. They were obliterated. But God led them up to that situation. Shows us that God had a supply. He had a way of escape for them, but they couldn't see it. God had already walked ahead of them and walked through the Red Sea and made a way. But they couldn't see His steps. They saw His steps up to the edge of the water and they disappeared. Well, we can't go where God's telling us to go. How? That's impossible. You see that? You and I come up to these kinds of situations all the time. And sometimes are actually led into these kinds of situations. Like these people were led. But his footsteps were hidden. So what did he say to them? He, he commanded them to go forward. Exodus chapter 14 verse 15. The Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore thou criest thou unto me? Now Moses is at the edge of the Red Sea and he's going, God! And Moses got an answer from God. He said, Why are you crying unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide. And the children of Israel shall go over on dry ground in the midst of the sea. And he did. Remember Moses held out the rod and commanded the waters to open up. And they, and they opened up. And the Bible says that they went through on dry ground. And they had to go forward. He said, then that's what you're going to have to do. It looks like there's no way, but God's saying go forward. You're going to have to get your foot in the edge of the water. You're going to have to start taking a step of faith and act on it to, to get that supply to kick in. He said, go forward. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to move forward. See, he has a supply for you, but it's not always visible. Isn't that right? But if you follow his leadings, he'll lead you up into invisible stashes of supply. God's got it. Amen. But it didn't show up until they took a step of faith. He said, go forward. Get your feet wet. Start walking as if you're going to walk across there. Yeah, when we were in Tulsa, we said to a, to a, to a realtor, we'll buy it. When we were looking at a house that God said was ours, and we couldn't even, with the money that we had in the bank account, we couldn't have bought the front door of the place at that time. I'm talking about there was, I mean, there was money, but it was designated for other things, you know. Y'all there? But God said, that's your house. She drove up on the 
curb and the Lord said, that's your house. I had the witness, that's your house. So what did we say? We'll take it. Well, I'm fighting fear and doubt going to bed at night and the devil's saying, now look what you did. Now look what you did. You messed up now. Now look what you did. But by the time, actually, what was it, a day or two before the, that we had to have the verification of funds in the bank? We had to have 16,000, was it, or something like that? 16,000, I believe it was. But the day before, we had that money in that bank. Somebody that, that is a long-distant relative. I don't talk to him more than once every five years. Said, the Lord dealt with me that you needed some money. See, oh, that never works for me. Well, see, you never say, I'll take it. Now, you do that in the flesh, and you're going to pay for it. But if the Holy Ghost says something's yours, and you're led by the Spirit, how do I, how do I get led by the Spirit? Well, you have the peace in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? You move forward with peace. You don't move forward with the lust of the flesh. That'll get you in big trouble. You have to learn to know the difference between the flesh and the Spirit here. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, they, were good. they just decided, these relatives decided to give it to us. Praise, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, thank God for the supply, but you have to step out. Amen. Now, I was watching Discovery Channel. I've been, I told you this before, but I just, I don't know if you get tired of the same things over and over again, but I, the Lord keeps drawing me back to these things. Here's where your answer is. Here's where your answer is. Here's where your answer is. If you get tired of this message, it's because you're not doing it yet. <laughs> If you were doing it and were having the exciting work of El Shaddai and Jehovah Jireh, you'd love this. Oh, this is, this is the way I'm living. This is it's working for me. It's working for me. But you're bored with it because you're not having it happen because you're not getting any feet wet. You know, every now and then the devil jumps on my head and said, you told the whole congregation you're getting that land. You ain't getting that land. But see, I heard from the Holy Ghost. I heard, you should, and, and people that don't even know the situation get an unction in prayer and saying, the Lord spoke to me about your land. Brother, Brother Ramos said it the other day. The Lord, the Lord keeps talking. I keep getting that in my heart. I'm, I'm praying things out about that land. See, sometimes whenever, remember I said there's three kind of tests. There's the kind of test that uh, you get in because you're out of the will of God. Jonah got into that kind of a test. Then there's a the kind of test you get in because you're in the will of God. Jesus was in the will of God, and he's going across the water. And a storm came up. Yeah. Well, if you're out of the will of God, how do you get, the test, get past the test? You repent and say, Lord, forgive me, like Jonah did. Amen. If you're in the will of God, how do you get through the test? You speak to it say, peace, be still. That's how Jesus did it because that's what he, he was in the will of God. But sometimes it's, it's tough or it's rough or things seem to be delayed or things like that because somebody else isn't obeying God. Paul was on a ship in Acts 27 and that was his situation. He's in chains. He's a prisoner. He can't say, no, I'm not going. Because remember, the Holy Ghost said, there's hurt and damage with this voyage. Don't launch out. But he's not in charge. He can't say, I'm not going. You guys go ahead. Because he's chained to a Roman guard. And the Roman guard decided, we've got to get out of here because there's storms coming. We've got to beat them. Well, they didn't beat them. They got into it. Remember? But Paul said ahead of time, I perceive. See, the Holy Ghost is trying to say, don't go. But there's some things that happen, even though you know it's not supposed to be this way, because somebody else is not obeying God. Well, how do you get out of that? You do like Paul did. You pray through. And that's what we're doing with this land right now. We're praying it through. Oh, if I could tell you everything. Some of you wouldn't be able to handle some of the things the Lord's telling me. How dare you? That church, that church over there has it. And how dare you try to steal it from that other church? It's not the, listen, listen, listen. If you get this, you get a whole lot of things. The, the land has not been assigned to a church. It's been assigned to a plan. God and the angels are not for us and against that church or for that church and against us. It's not a matter of being for one and against the other. It's a matter of who's going to say yes to the plan. That's all that it's about. Now, I'm going to get on that. Go back there to the book of Joshua. I didn't plan on getting on this, but I'm going to. The Lord spoke this to me. You need to, you need to, amen, go to the fifth chapter of Joshua. And notice what it says here. Joshua chapter 5, look at verse number 13. 
It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. He's about to attack Jericho. Remember, God told him to go in there and possess the land. And he's about to attack Jericho, and all of a sudden there's this man there with a sword drawn. And Joshua said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Now this is actually, I believe, some people believe it was an angel. Some people believe it was the Lord Jesus before the incarnation. He did receive worship, so it must have been Jesus. Angels don't receive worship. This is before the incarnation. You understand? He, was, he existed before. He was born of a man, in the manger. He said, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What sayest thou, my Lord, unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And Joshua did so. And another time that happened was whenever God came in the burning bush. Loose your sandals. So this must have been Jesus here. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, if it wasn't, it was an angel, but it's hard to believe it was because it received, he received worship. But anyway, it's either an angel or, or, or Jesus, you know. Yeah. I believe it was Jesus. But the same thing's true about angels. They work for Jesus and they work for me. And the thing that I'm saying is true about him, as if it were an angel or Jesus, is that he's not on any, anybody's side. Notice, he said, Joshua said, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no. In other words, neither. That's the way a lot of translations translate. I looked this up because the Lord spoke to me about this verse. He said, neither. In other words, I'm not for you or against them. I'm not against you and for them. In other words, I don't take sides in these natural kinds of things. I'm standing and loyal to the plan of God. Are you there? You're going home. People have trouble with some of the stuff that's happening. I can't tell you all that's happening because some people, ah, that's not even, that's not right. Selfish of you. It's not assigned to a church. It's assigned to a plan. Whoever decides to go with the plan. I could tell you a whole lot more that I know than I'm able to tell you. Because the Lord spoke to me about I know I know exactly what's going on with all the land. I know why they're delaying. I know everything. Have you talked to him? Nope. I, my, my communication's with heaven. He told me everything. You know, and I know, anyway, praise God. Just hold steady with me. Like, he, see here back in the book of Psalms, Notice what it said. He led his people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Sometimes you need to put confidence in what the Lord spoke to your leadership. And don't bail out left and right saying, well, he's, you know. Moses told us this was God and it sure don't look like it's working out. Well, it didn't look like Moses had heard from God in this situation either. But we have a supply and it's supernatural. We haven't seen it all come to pass, but we're going to see it come to pass. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now, I said to you, I watched the Discovery Channel one time, and they were talking about they believe now they finally have found the place where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Um, and one of the reasons why is because the, uh, of the uh, artifacts, I guess they call them or whatever, the archaeology they've done down underneath the water there, and they found the place where they've crossed because there was a lot of uh, they found, and they, I saw it on the TV. They were showing pictures of it. Uh, chariot wheels, all crusted with, what's yeah. those things that grow on underwater? Crustaceans and all that. And, uh, and then on the other side of the, of the crossing place, there's a pillar and a monument there that is described by Solomon, and it tells the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. So they believe now they found it. Yeah. Solomon put a pillar over there where they crossed over the other side. Well, the thing that they said about it was they did, you know, how they can do penetrating uh, sonor, what is that, sonic, what is that called? Sonograms now, and they can penetrate and, and show you the land uh, down through the water. So they did that of all this area. And the, most of the places in the Red Sea, the, if, you, if you come off the mountains, it goes way down deep, real steep, down into the Red Sea, and then real steep comes back up, except for the place where they crossed. The place where they crossed, there had been an ancient river for generations that had flowed down through the mountains down to the place where Israel came up to the edge of the Red Sea. And that ancient river for generations washed sand out into that, into that Red Sea. 
for generation after generation after generation. It just kept on building up, just kept on building up, just kept on building up for generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. And by the time Israel got there, there was a land bridge underneath the water. And it didn't go like this where they came out. It just went slightly down and slightly back up. Oh, yeah. He had been there and made the supply. Boy, when I read that, I never got, I never got drunk on the Holy Ghost watching Discovery Channel before. But I go, I see it, I see it, I see it. I read this verse and I realized God had been prepared. See, He's way ahead of you. He knew you were going to be here. He knew you were going to... He knew everything you were going to need. I believe God know from the foundation of the earth what everything you're going to need and supplied it all from the day you were born to the day you breathe your last breath and say, there he is, I'm going home. I believe there's stashes all along the way to keep you well supplied. Amen. Particularly if you stay in the plan of God for your life. Can you say amen? So what is the Holy Ghost saying to you today? Move forward. It's time. Move forward. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, you can be at the place God told you to be, but you don't take the step of faith. Amen. He wants to do things supernaturally. Corey Ten Boom uh, was a part of a family that <clears throat> protected the Jews during the World War. You know that the Hitler was trying to annihilate the Jews. And, but anyway, her family was protecting him. They had secret passageways and all that in their house and so forth and so on. Well, one day, one day Corey Ten Boom, she was a young girl at the time, uh, she said to her daddy, she said, well, if we ever get caught, I don't know if I'll have the strength to endure the imprisonment and the interrogation and all of that that I'll have to go through. And her father said, honey, he said, How many, do you remember whenever I would take you to the train station? And uh, if we're going somewhere, I would buy your ticket months in advance. But... I wouldn't give you the ticket until we're about ready to get on the train. He said, because, you know, you didn't need it until that time. And he said, that's the way God is. He said to her daughter, his daughter, Corrie Ten Boom, if you ever get into that situation, God will supply the strength. God will supply what you need at that time. You might not feel like you have it right now, but if you get in, I said, God will supply it by the time you get there. And see, that's the way it is with God. You might be saying, you, God might be saying, do this. I want you to do this. You might be, I don't have what it takes. But just start moving toward it. Why? Because you know daddy's got your ticket. You can trust him. He's been there. He's been ahead of you. He's already bought it. He's already paid for it. It already belongs to you. He's just, he's just keeping a hold of it right now. I believe right now there are people that own cars and airplanes and buildings and, and things that we need for the ministry. They're taking care of it, polishing it, updating it, fixing it, painting on, putting paint on it. Amen. Just so they can give it to me. Yeah. Absolutely. There's people out there right now driving your car. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. A lot of times I think the reason he doesn't hand it to us ahead of time is because, number one, he's a faith God. Number two, we'd do the wrong thing with it if we had it ahead of time. Like they were saying, new car, woo, new car. Amen. Some of us are liking it. Some of us are still thinking about it. Somebody say hallelujah anyhow. Our flesh would love to have it way in advance. You know, the flesh can rest because the money's in the bank. Faith can rest because the money's in God's hands. I know He has my supply for me. Amen. You never face a need that you don't have a supply for. Hallelujah. Get more supply minded. That's what uh, uh, Galatians, I mean, uh, Philippians 4.19, I'll get it here, is all about. My God shall supply all your need. Get more supply minded. I can't. I can't give utterance to things that are coming into my heart during the Davenport meetings and one of the trips over there. I got over in the Spirit and I started seeing things that we need utterance for in these days regarding the supply. There's, there's, there's huge resources for this era. There's huge amounts of wealth. 
Not so we can just have big houses and enjoy all this. There's, there's that part of it, but it's mainly to get the job done down here. Amen. God wants the church to be in such a place. Oh, they need land. And the money's, boop, there it is. Thank God that it's been coming in as it's been coming in. But it's time for us to tap into more than this. Paying cash for everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this this morning? We're going to quit right there. We could go on. But uh, a lot of times the hindrance you experience, Satan wants to hinder the the supply and the flow of the supply. And the reason is, is because he wants to try to get you to doubt God. But if you hold steady and not doubt God, and not accuse him of being the one that's making it hard. See, this supply is an easy flow. The resistance, not, the resistance is not coming from God. The resistance is coming from the enemy. Amen. Just hold your ground. That's what the Spirit of God said at the beginning of the service. Just continue to be faithful. The breakthrough is right ahead of us. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to stay with it. If you don't stay with it, you'll never see what can happen. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to see what can happen. Amen. Not see if. I don't mean it that way. See if. No, we're going, to, we're going to see. We're going to prove God's word to be true by sticking with it and continuing to speak. Hallelujah. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.